All right, welcome back, guys, to another PBK episode. I'm joined by pro soccer player Clay Dimmick. He plays for Charlotte Independence in the U.S. League One. I'm um, very excited. We're talking about a little bit about his story, talk about being a pro athlete and uh, being young, Catholic, and dating to marry. So uh, with that, Clay, thanks for coming on. Yeah, Miko, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, dude, it's, uh, it's going to be a fun one, I hope. Um, I like to do an icebreaker question, um, usually, and because you're soccer, I mean, I know it's not a great one. I usually ask people what their three favorite movies are, or if they had three movies, what would uh-huh. they watch, like, only for the rest of their life, which you can answer. But maybe for, um, because you're a soccer guy, we should just settle the Messi-Ronaldo debate so you can choose, and then you could tell us why. I, I have yeah. my opinion, but I'm going to let you go first. All right, my opinion is Messi, just because all around, he's he's by far the best player, but... Um, I do give respect to Ronaldo because he scores and wins games like crazy. But all around soccer player, I'm gonna go with Messi. Yeah, I had an, I had I had an idea that that would happen. I like <laughs> Ronaldo, but be, this is why. This, I'm gonna tell you just real quick, and then we'll get into the interview. I like Ronaldo because he reminds me more of Kobe, and LeBron mes- reminds me of Messi. And I'm the biggest Kobe fan ever, and I'm the biggest LeBron hater ever because I'm a big Kobe fan. And that's why yeah. I kind of feel like they parallel because, like, LeBron, yes, better all around. You know what I mean? He's a passer and all that kind of stuff. And then, like, as a go-to scorer, I feel like Ronaldo and Kobe might be wrong on that. But it, this is not a yeah. soccer podcast, so we'll just keep moving forward anyways. No, I agree. I can respect that. I can, yeah. They win games. Yeah, yeah. No, 100%. Okay, so, yeah, just to start out, um, why don't you just dive into your story a little bit? Um, I know, like I said, I've seen you on Yes Catholic and then Nathan Crinkfield, who we had on. I've seen a little bit of your podcast there um and sort of a little bit of your story but for obviously people who haven't heard listened to you yet you can just dive into it yeah for sure so um like Miko said I live in Charlotte North Carolina and that's actually where I went to college at Belmont Abbey College which is a small um private Catholic school in Belmont North Carolina which is pretty close to downtown Charlotte and at the time of picking Belmont Abbey I only picked it because of soccer like I just wanted to go there and become a better soccer player and I thought if I become a good person along the way, then sweet. Um, before that, I was raised in a Christian home, but it was it was never um, pro-Catholic or um, let's go to a Catholic mass or anything. My dad was actually Catholic and left the church, so it wasn't really talked about. All I knew was the um, kind of bad name that uh, friends or family had given the Catholic church. So when I picked Belmont Abbey that happened to be Catholic, I really didn't know what I was getting myself into. Um, I just thought, okay, I'm going to go play soccer here, go to college, close to Charlotte, and have fun. Um, And when I was there, it was the first time in my life that I was able to see authentic Catholic men, women, old people, young people living out their faith um, and really practicing what it looks like to be a good Catholic person every day. Um, So, yeah, fast forward a couple years in college, I began to get curious of why some of my friends would have to go to Mass on Sunday. Because when I grew up, oh, if you had a game on Sunday, like, you can just miss it. Or if you were a little tired from Saturday night, you could just miss, like, church. Um, But I was like, why are these people, like, so adamant about going every single Sunday? So that kind of, like, sparked my curiosity. And I had a coach in college um, that was, uh, like, one of the best Catholic men I've ever met. And he lives out his faith every day. And I saw the way he is about his faith. And I saw the way he is, like, as a husband and father to his kids and wife. And I was so curious, like, is this all because he's Catholic? Like, is he, is he, um, like, there's a quote that's like, nothing is more attractive than holiness. And everybody wants to be around people that bring people closer to the Lord. And 
Um, so I asked him one night, I was like, hey, what, what's the difference between where you go to church and where I go to church, which at the time was a Methodist church? Um, and he told me, the first thing he mentioned was, well, the main thing is the Eucharist. Like, I go and receive Jesus Christ's body, uh, blood, soul, and divinity every every Mass that I go to. And I was like, mind blown. I was like, what? Like, well, what do you mean you go receive the body of Christ? And I was like, oh, well, I'm Methodist. Like, I, I'm pretty sure we've done communion a couple times. Like, and he's like, yeah, yeah it's not, not really the same thing. So that sparked a conversation. Um, and I just said, okay, well, how, how do you guys know this to be true? And um, the first thing he told me was a story, which I can relate to more. He was like, do you believe that God can come back as anything? Like, he, he can put himself in anything. I was like, yeah, I mean, he's all powerful and he's everywhere and he knows everything. So he was like, well, if you really think God would come back as a white squirrel outside, like he could. And I was like, yeah, easily. Like, he can do whatever he wants. He's like, okay, so it's not too far off to believe that he would give his body, blood, soul, and divinity in mass. Because if you look at the Gospel of John, he's literally speaking it through Jesus. And Jesus is saying in Gospel of John, like, this is my body. Whoever eats my blood and or eats my flesh and drinks my blood will have eternal life. And um, I remember listening to the Scott Hahn CD the next day after I had this conversation with my coach. And um, something that will always stick out to me and always give me chills is Scott Hahn was saying, Jesus said this three times during the Last Supper. And he said, Amen, I say to you. And I remember Scott Hahn said, do you think... Jesus would say that if he really didn't mean it or if he was just figuratively speaking. I was like, wow. So I remember I was in the car listening to that CD and I pulled over and called my coach and I was like, coach, I have to enter the church like tomorrow. And he's like, okay, well, it's good you know you want to become Catholic, but there's a lot you need to learn. Um, and so that was kind of like what pushed me to join the church. And um, I realized then and there that like this is the church that Jesus left for us and everything the church teaches, like I, I'll, I accept if I don't already accept it because I've always been pro-life um, and all that stuff and the social stuffs have never been a problem to me. So um, when, when I realized that at that moment, I realized like nothing else matters besides me joining his church because this is the true one church that Jesus left. And um, yeah, from then on, it took like three months. I was, I was on the RCIA fast track, I like to say. Uh, I learned everything like within three months. I was pounding out all these episodes of RCA classes online, reading all these books, and then I finally entered on Corpus Christi of 2018, which was pretty cool because the Eucharist is what brought me to the church and Corpus Christi, you know, so it was, it was a special moment. And so, yeah, now I've been Catholic coming up on four years on June 3rd. So, Wow. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot there. Uh, I'm curious to be a, a little bit about Belmont Abbey because the only reason why I've known about it, one of my really good friends, Joe, actually had committed there to play uh, to play lacrosse, but then ended up kind of, and he ended up at Franciscan, obviously, somehow. But uh, I'm curious a little bit as a campus, like, is it pretty legit in terms of like a, you know, it's pretty hard to find Catholic campuses, but like mm -hmm. in terms of like how is how is mass there, how is some of that stuff, the community, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so I think. It wasn't as legit as other places, maybe like Franciscan, um, but there was like enough of a core group of legit Catholics that I was able to see what it looked like to live your faith authentically. Um, and there, obviously, like the student, like the Focus Ministry was there, yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously we had the Basilica on campus, which is beautiful and has been around for many years. And then my favorite spot on campus is the Adoration Chapel. Um, so yeah, there's there's definitely um, enough to 
to understand what the Catholic faith is about. But now that I am Catholic and I'm an alumni, I wish there was more and wish it was, yeah, wish there was more legit, you know, yeah. kind of walk. Well, I mean, like, even Franciscan has its, you know, interesting things as well. So it's not like any campus is perfect, but that's cool to, at least to know because it's not like at least Belmont Abbey is not included generally when you think about like the more well-known Catholic universe, like actually Catholic universities, you know, it's usually like university of Dallas, Franciscan CUA a little bit, which is kind of, you know, iffy, but um, Benedictine things like that. So they don't really include that, but I do want to at least kind of dive in into a little bit more, more of like upbringing possibly. And uh, maybe high school as well. Cause it's, cause you said that you were kind of agreed on a lot of things like Catholic stances already in terms of like pro-life and stuff, which is not, you know, I would like to think that it's majority of Protestants, but it seems like it's becoming less. It's like pretty divided among Protestants on, on big sort of quote unquote political issues, more like moral issues. Um, yeah. So was uh, like, did you go to, were you always in private schools or you in public schools? Like what was your community like? Um, was your family just a strong, you know, conservative family and um, sort of like the environment that you grew up in and all that kind of stuff? Like, what were those kind of things like? Yeah, so my family is a super strong conservative family. My dad uh, and mom are actually from Vermont. So for them to be conservative and yeah. from Vermont is pretty rare. Yeah. But part of the reason they left Vermont um, and went down to Georgia, which is where I went to high school. And I went to public school my whole life. And it was like the biggest public schools in Georgia. So um Although it used to be a conservative state, um, like being pro-life is probably the minority in high school nowadays. Um, so I was just raised that from a young age that life starts in, at conception and like there's life in the womb no matter how many weeks old the baby is. So that's something I've never strayed from. And I think a big part of that too is being adopted. Um, I was born in, in Texas and my birth mom and dad were just freshmen in college. And so... Um, yeah, I just always think back to that, like, what if, you know, like the situation was different and stuff. So that always has hit home for me. And I think being raised and adopted by a conservative family who taught me, like, the the morally right thing to do in all these situations, whether it's pro-life or what marriage looks like and, and stuff like that. Um, I've, I've been thankful that I've been raised on that and that that's my foundation because, um, as I said, when I joined the church, I was like, oh, I already believe all these moral issues that they talk about yeah that's amazing that's beautiful okay yeah i think i, th- I think you did um mention that maybe possibly uh, on another podcast i listened to but that's that's so awesome to hear um and one of the things that we didn't dive into too much was finding your wife in college yeah. um and as someone else like i was telling you before who was uh young and got married and trying to find my way in life at the same time trying to figure out how to you know operate in a relationship and all that kind of stuff um do you want to at least get a little bit into that and we can start off yeah for sure um yeah so my wife's name is Catherine. we call her cat she went to belmont abbey as well and she transferred in from montreat college which is a uh protestant cat or protestant school up in Asheville, north carolina so um she transferred in and at the time um I was dating another girl and she was dating a different guy. And so we were just good friends. um, And we both, our past relationships ended. So we went on a few coffee dates and stuff. And she told me three times we were just friends. So she shot me down three times, Um, but I was persistent. And uh, this was before I was Catholic though. So 
we would always I know we would always talk about faith and stuff and we always would tell each other it's kind of funny but we'd always tell each other um yeah you know I don't think Jesus intended there to be all these different churches and like the Catholic Church ruling and like all this stuff and I, I laugh at it now and her and I laugh at it now because we're like yeah we obviously know that he didn't intend for all these places to to pop up these churches to pop up because there's one true church so yeah, yeah um yeah. we met in college we became really good friends um and then when the time was right uh we started dating and um when we started dating we knew that we were both pretty serious and i had just entered the church and i had told her that you know being catholic now i can't really have a debate about where my kids should be raised or where the wedding should be and, and all this stuff and she was on board she was like no that's fine um i can't promise i'll become catholic but i'm willing to learn and now she's in the church so it worked out yeah that does <laughs> that does work out like i was telling you I had a I kind of somewhat of a similar experience. Um, but one of the things, you know, I'm kind of curious about for, for your take is sort of being in college and then you're in this transition and you're talking to a girl like what how do you how do you go about sort of sort of finding that life partner, especially someone who wasn't Catholic or like, you know, what are some of the things that you're sort of either looking for? Or is it something that's just, for me, it was just more organic. Like I wasn't, I was obviously 15. Like I wasn't looking for my life partner at that time, which kind of just happened. But I, I was just kind of curious for you as you're kind of in this transition, you obviously seem like even beforehand, like a good solid Christian guy and you're mm -hmm. in college and there's a lot of pressure, right? There's a lot of different things, a lot of, you know, <laughs> yes, yeah. a lot of things going on, different parties, stuff like that. Um, like what is sort of your mindset? I mean, I know you're probably focused with sports and all the other stuff. Um, so mm -hmm. like, what was your mindset in sort of finding you know, your at the time girlfriend or whoever may be potential partner. Yeah. So like the number one thing I wanted her to be strong in her faith and Kat was still is really strong in her faith. But at the time she, I think if you asked her, she would say like, I have a really good relationship with the Lord, like personal relationship, which was great. And like, that's what I was looking for at the time. And um, I wanted her and I, whoever it would have been, I wanted um, the girl and I just to be really good friends and like best friends first. Because, you know, obviously, like, the attraction, the physical attraction would be there. Um, but I wanted us to be able to hang out and be able to communicate through the good times and bad times. Because, I mean, 95, 90% of the time, it's like you're sitting there being best friends or a life partner with them. And then the other 10% of the time is, like, a physical attraction, and um, which, is, which comes when you're married. And so her and I were both on the same page with that and we were just really good friends and I think that's like the advice I give anyone who's kind of in that stage of searching for a life partner or a wife or um, is like make sure you guys can get along and make sure you ag agree on like the hard stuff um, like the social issues or the faith standpoint and um, if you have that foundation of, of that it it's, makes it a lot easier going forward. Yeah, I'm curious too. Did you feel? I mean, although you're on a Catholic campus, and I was also on a Catholic campus, did you ever feel sort of? I don't want to say pressure, but whether it's pressure, maybe temptation, or whatever, to sort of live like, I mean, maybe some of your teammates like live the classic college life. You know, yeah. meanwhile you're trying to, you just became Catholic, you know, and then you're also, you know, dating to marry, and you're trying to live a certain life. But then you're also an athlete and whatever, you know, it sometimes comes with prestige on certain campuses or whatever. Um, did you ever feel those sort of temptations or pressures or whatever from other teammates or just the, the, the campus culture all around? Yeah, for sure. I think like the temptation is so real. Um, and I, that's one thing I never wanted to waver from was saving myself for marriage. And I never 
um, thought that it would be worth it, whether it was with like a girlfriend I've been dating for three years or it was with my future wife, like no matter what it was. Um, but the temptation is real. And so you just have to be strong in, in your foundation and in roots because um, just because you go to a Catholic school or just because you go to a Christian school doesn't mean that there's not parties every weekend or there's not people around the corner that just want to hang out and, and do other stuff, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's one of the things I like. Well, the thing is, at Franciscan, it's a little bit different because, like, their parties are what we would call at public schools, like, kickbacks. You know what I mean? So, like, for the most part, <laughs> it's really nothing. It's, like, a, it's just literally a social gathering is all it really is. So, yeah. it's funny. But, I mean, regardless of where you are, there's always going to be temptations to do things that you shouldn't. I mean, like, as a human being, you know, it doesn't matter, like, where you're supposed to be. I mean, um, yeah, I think one of the things that's always important to think about is, like, to humanize everybody, like, whether it's priests yeah. or just strong Catholics, like we all feel the same things and that can be kind of yeah. lost. I think when you're in the, when you're in the journey and you're kind of looking from the outside um, and maybe you're on those, you know, you're on that journey of like, I really want to start becoming Catholic and really start practicing. You can kind of feel that tendency that people don't feel or are, are at the same place that you are. And it's, yeah. you know, most of the time it's not true. So yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So as we keep moving forward, um, you are now uh, young, married and a father so you got all three going for you pretty pretty strong before 30 right so that's pretty good um what is um i know you talked about being about being with your best friend i think that's a huge one as well what are some other advice especially now you know as you had you know a little bit of practice being a dad and maybe some things in terms of preparation you know i know you haven't had too much you know he's not in, in high school or anything just yet so at least in terms of preparation what are some things that you could offer someone like me who's hoping to become a dad very soon yeah. Um, yeah. Um, the first thing is, uh, like, they're the kids, even how young he is, um, it's not even a year yet. He's seven months, about to be eight months. But they can see everything and they pick up on things really fast. And one of the biggest things that they can pick up on is how you're treating your wife or how you're treating their mom. And that just, like, kind of sets a, um, an example for them, even at a young age. So, first and foremost, like, it's you and your wife you're the team and so you guys want to make sure that you're you're an all-star team at all the times even in the hard times and can communicate through that um, and the other thing that me and my wife have been super big on is just being present and um, not letting technology or other events and stuff like that get in the way and having really intentional time with Callum our son and intentional time between Kat and I and then all, obviously all three of us together but I think being present and, and loving your wife the best you can goes such a long way because um, she undergoes a lot of physical changes, emotional changes, and, and she's going to need you to lean on a lot of the times. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's some good stuff. I know I, um, it's a lot to try to take in, I think, you know, cause a lot of times it's like, you can't really, you can prepare as much as you want, but until that, you know, baby's there in your arms yeah. and you're looking at what you've created, I think it's always going to be something different. Um, For sure. Yeah, no, I think that's good stuff. I, I, I do want to kind of move a little bit into sort of your soccer journey because I think it's an interesting one. And, um, you know, there's not too many sort of professional Catholic athletes that are at least super prominent. Uh, everyone knows of Harrison Butker and some other guys. Um, but you grew up sort of against Harrison. Did you? Yeah, so we know each other. Um, wow. He played soccer and in Atlanta too and we know each other pretty well oh sick okay cool 
Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's pretty sick. You guys are like the uh, same age then, like same class or what? Yeah. Same exact class. Yeah. Wow. That's sick. Okay. Cool. Well, there you go. Yeah. So, what was like your what was your journey like? I mean, obviously, like I was telling you before we started recording, I played soccer from like four to thirteen, um, and then I should have stuck with it because I'm only five six. So I chose to play basketball instead, and you know things happen, man. I couldn't. You know, basketball chose me, man. I didn't. I didn't choose it necessarily. But uh, yeah, what was your like soccer journey like and all that kind of stuff? I'm sure you're traveling all the time, doing all that kind of stuff. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. Growing up, I was traveling all the time on uh, different region teams, and it was called Region Premier League. So we'd play teams, obviously in Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Florida, Tennessee, the Southeast, kind of. Um, and then I was actually being recruited at Stetson University and UAB, which is University of Alabama Birmingham, which are yeah. two really one school is for soccer and I obviously know now why they didn't work out but at the time like they both had offers on the table and like one coach left and went to a different school and I didn't know any of the coaches and the other one had like a falling out between the whole department and I was like I get I can't go to either one of these and so the only other school that I had been keeping up tabs with is uh John Keating from Belmont Abbey because he had been chasing like coming to my games and messaging me since I was like a sophomore or junior and I was like all right if I go here, I know I'll play. And I think the biggest thing from a soccer standpoint was I needed to go somewhere that I would play in games right away so that I could develop as a player. Um, and so that was the biggest uh, reason I chose the soccer team at Belmont Abbey is because I knew I would have an impact as a freshman. Um, so freshman, sophomore year, I did well and, and played. I think I played every game at the Abbey, so every game from freshman to senior year. Um, and then after that, coming out of a small, small school to try to go to the professional league is really tough. So it took like a long journey to get to back to Charlotte. I had to play in a summer league uh, for one summer and it was in Charlotte as well. And then um, it wasn't even a contract right away with the independence. They asked me to come in for a preseason trial, which is like a tryout basically, but you're with the team. And I was there for a month or two, and then they finally offered me a contract in 2019. And then 2020, they picked up my option, 2021, new contract, and then this year, a new contract. And now I'm the captain of the team. And so it's just been like a long journey. And um, to stay in the same place for four years as a professional is, is probably something I'm one of the most proud about because uh, I was an underdog coming out. And then now to lead the team, I feel super um honored to do so so yeah it was a long journey but i wouldn't have it any other way because we love charlotte and we're able to stay here you know yeah yeah no that's so sick dude um yeah i mean that's so crazy did you was it like the plan always to go to college and like that was the step to then become a pro like that was always yeah. the, the plan and the goal yeah now things have changed but when i was in high school um it was still the plan go to college then go pro but now they have pathways to not go to college and just go pro from there. But yeah. um, personally, I needed that development in college. Like I became a much better player, and um, so college helped me. But now that 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 there's a different option if you want. But yeah, for me, it was always college and then try to go pro. Yeah, I just asked because like for me, um, as like a freshman and sophomore in high school, that was the plan. But then yeah. the issue was after sophomore year, I stopped growing. So I thought I was gonna keep. Cause like, like my dad's six foot, my mom's five, four. So I don't know why I'm this short. My brother's like, you know, five, ten and a half. And then my yeah. brother Keone, who obviously all these people know, he, he played at Franciscan and for a long time, 
like he was thinking i want to go try to play after this as well but then it's just yeah. like you know sometimes just god's pointing you in a different direction so it doesn't always work out the way you want it to but mm-hmm. how is life sort of practicing as a practicing catholic i think is i i would imagine you know maybe i'm just making this up but it seems like soccer is a little bit more wholesome than most other sports like I'm, i've been a basketball player my whole life where the culture is like a little bit different it can get a little bit uh spicier maybe i should say um you know yeah. very ingrained like hip-hop culture and some other things so we're like i don't want to say it's a bad one but it just depends you know all depends sort of on you know personal i guess experience and kind of who you're with and your team and stuff like that so how is it for you because i don't know I, I don't know if you know john isaac who plays for the magic but like he's a really, yeah. really big christian yeah. yeah super big christian he preaches i remember as a rookie he told a story about how he was really nervous like he's a rookie right so it's like doesn't matter what you say as a rookie and he was preaching at a, at a certain church in Orlando and he had basically like, you know, just, I'm just going to at least invite them and how big that was for him to invite, you know, his, his teammates, even though like no one showed up, it was like, it was just about, about him coming out and saying like, Hey, I'm a really big Christian basically is what he was trying to come through and say. So yeah. I imagine it could be like that for a lot of athletes, but how is it for you particularly? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, well, no, I think I know I'm in the minority with a lot of stuff that I believe in. Um, for example, like I'm the only guy on our, our team that goes to church every Sunday, and uh, I was having breakfast the other day, and there was like eight of us at a table, and I was one one guy that's pro life, and the other seven are like pro choice, and they're bringing up like these outrageous examples, and I'm like, these examples never even happen, but like you're not changing my opinion. So yeah, it's I wish it was more wholesome. I wish it was different, but at the same time, like it's made me a lo- really strong in my faith and really strong in what I believe in because I know the conversations they'll come up. Like they're all great guys. I love them to death, but like there's just some things we don't agree on and some things that uh, I can't uh, waver from, you know? So it's made me stronger in my faith and it's definitely taught me uh, how to defend the Catholic church when it's needed. Um, Now it's changed being like the captain and stuff. It's kind of like a more of a respect thing. But when I was a rookie and then my second year, like, definitely was challenging at times yeah have have you been able to get into some of those deeper stuff with certain players because i know for me like everyone had known like i said i'm a public high school basketball team um i was also a captain but it was like uh everyone had kind of know where i stand and then we had a my coach was like a protestant but he was like he he'd even made a comment that uh like science and faith don't mix and i was just like are you born in 1920 like what are you talking about and he was like 34 at the time and i was like what are you talking about dude and he called himself a christian and it was just kind of crazy but even then so like he'd always have me lead the team in prayer which is kind of bonkers for being at a public school he had me uh, lead the team in prayer and then everyone would call me pastor meek and all this kind of stuff like have fun with it um but i would always like not try to force it but i always be getting myself in like deep conversation with some people or like you know um I would have instances when, you know, teammates would be like, hey, Miko, if something was serious, like, can you pray for me, you know? So, like, it would be a weird thing because we're not necessarily bonding over the faith in 90% of what we're doing. But then there's, like, a small percentage of if something was really happening, they'd reach out to me. So do you get yeah. those certain levels with some of your teammates? Yeah, for sure. Definitely the, the second thing you said, like, if there's something serious, like, they kind of know who to come to in a way. And it's like. That's a good, that's reassuring for me because I want to be living out my faith and I want them to know like that's the most important thing in my life. Um, so yeah, there's there's definitely been times like that. And there's also been times where we've had conversations. Um, a lot of the times 
people who see differently uh, get angry in those conversations, which is like, I feel like when they kind of run out of things to say, then it doesn't end too well. But um, yeah, the conversations come up and I'm happy to have them because like, at the end of the day, we're supposed to be making disciples. And so, yeah, uh, yeah they, they definitely come up, but I do sometimes have to pick and choose of like, if this is the right time to do it, because I know this guy's just going to get super pissed. But Yeah, yeah. yeah no, no I, you have to play but, that game. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like there's going to be – there's moments – like I said, I, I mean, we both in the public school, right? So it's like you understand exactly, like, where to go with with who to go with, you know? And so, yeah, I was just – and I'm curious about some of that stuff. And do you feel – I mean, do you feel like the reception is generally pretty well? Like, I imagine, especially as a captain, you're not, like, cast aside. It's probably just yeah. small talk, and then it's like, oh, yeah, that's Clay, like, classic, you know what I mean? Classic yeah. racist Clay over there, whatever they call you, or something like that. You know, like, that's what happened with me. They'd always be like, yeah, they, I would be, like, playing 2K with my friends in the party, and they'd be like, like, one of my friends would be like, you guys know Miko's racist and homophobic? And I'm like, sick, dude. <laughs> that's, that's what we're going to do right now. And it wouldn't even yeah. be like, you know, he's not being fully serious, but, I mean, you know, I guess they're kind of okay. serious about it. But it'd be this kind of fun thing, and then like we could have a conversation and move on, or there's be times you know if it's one on one where like you can really got, dive into it. Like, are you still able yeah. to have that, or is that something you just kind of like in totality stay away from? When it's one on one, it's definitely easier to do it. But like for example, when I was at the table, it was like a year or two ago, and I was the only pro life guy. Um, then it gets kind of like, oh, what the f play? Like that's effed up and all this stuff. Yeah. But um, recently, my roommate on away trips. Um, in the hotel, he's asked me like, "Why I saved myself for marriage?" And so when it's conversations like that, they're way more receptive and like they want to have those conversations. So, like you said, it's just like picking and choosing the time and place. You know, that's sick. No, I love those conversations, man. Those are the ones I, I like. I live for honestly. Um, so yeah, like since, yeah. Um, in terms of you know advice for young Catholics in general. And I really like you as an example because you represent a lot of like sort of the regular guys. We all have like every single guy for the most part has these aspirations of becoming a pro athlete. Um, you know, we're trying to just live, you know, you went to public school your whole life, just like me. And for those young people who are sort of like in this space of just trying to figure things out, because I think a lot of times we feel like it's incompatible, you know, like being a pro athlete and being a part of the faith or like achieving some of those sort of other goals and dreams um, yeah. are not generally, you know, whether it's like an actor or an artist or whatever, those are not usually things that are compatible with the faith or so we think are. So what is your advice for, I guess, sort of young Catholics who are in that same space that you are, right? Trying to maneuver around things. You're, you're trying to find out who you're going to marry. You're trying to play pro. You're trying to do all these things yeah. and you're trying to keep the faith. Like, what do you say to those people? Yeah. So obviously the first thing is like to make sure your priorities are in line and, for me, ever since I became Catholic, like I want to know, love, and serve God more and more every day. And it's part of my morning offering that I make. And if I if I do those things and become holy and become a saint, then everything else kind of that I've learned kind of falls into place. Like through the Holy Spirit pointing you in the right direction, or um, through signs from the Lord throughout the day. But I think if you if your goal each day is to honor and glorify God in His church and um, to serve to serve your family or your friends, whatever that may be, your coworkers. And you kind of get outside of yourself and thinking like I need to do this or I need to find this or this is what I want to do, and you kind of uh, offer it up and you serve and you become the best husband, the best teammate, the best friend, the best whatever it is, then then things and doors start to open up for you. So 
that's kind of what I try to do is control what I can and, and get outside of myself and serve and um, become a better version of myself. And when I do that, I feel like doors have opened up for me in the past. So, yeah, I would say just make sure your priorities are right because at the end of the day, you can't mess up God's plan for you. Like he, he's going to guide you and he's going to lead you where he wants you. So making sure your priorities are right and that you're becoming the best version of yourself in the meantime is, is probably the top advice I could give. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's perfectly say you can't mess up God's plan because that's obviously yeah. why I'm not 62, right? Or else I'd just be a pro basketball player. That's not what I was supposed to do. So it was, it was yeah. good of God to do that. That was, that was awesome of him to do that one. But um, <laughs> one of the things I was curious about is over these last four years, what's the routine look like for you? Like obviously you have your morning offering, like in terms of like spiritual and um, physical, like what does that routine sort of generally uh, yeah, look like? Yeah. So um, when I wake up in the morning, our son's usually up like pounding at us. So he usually is our alarm clock now. Then uh, they can stay in bed and play for a little bit, but then I have to get my day going. But I read from a daily Catholic moment, uh, which is a moment with a saint each day. And it just goes by the date. Um, and then I'll do my morning offering after that. Then I'll head out the door. And usually I have to be in around 830 and uh, between meetings, rehab, training, the gym, I usually get back home at two. Um, and then from then on out, it's kind of family time and hanging out as a family and stuff. And then we we have a really good uh, parish here called St. Anne's. And so we try to get to adoration there uh, once every two weeks is where we're at right now. We'd love to get it once every week, but um, with Callum and uh, me being in the full swing of season is kind of tricky. And then also confession, there's a confession Wednesday nights. So usually more often than not Wednesday nights, we're at confession. So those are like kind of day in the life or week in the life type thing. But it is tricky now with season because, uh, for example, this month we have four away games. And so I'll be gone a total of maybe nine days out of the month. So it gets a little tricky and stuff, but making sure that I have the sacraments and, and stuff like that is, is key to getting through it. Yeah. yeah. Are you guys in the um, Diocese of Charlotte, like the church you attend? Yeah, it is. So it's actually okay. where it's where Kat and I got married and then where Callum was baptized. Okay. And, uh, yeah, we, we love St. Anne's. And Father Reed is, we call him the goat. I call him Father Goat because he's the greatest of all time. But <laughs> Father Goat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just curious because uh, my friend Jake, who I had on for the first sort of interview that I did, um, he would always talk, he always talk about the Charlotte diocese and how they're just pumping out just oh, yeah. seminarians and all like, they're just, they're in it. And like, I don't know, at least from a distance of what he showed me, it looks like one of the more sort of base traditional dioceses. Uh, I don't know how to say that, but you know what I mean? Um, that yeah, I've yeah. seen at least in the area is yours, uh, is yours pretty, pretty trad, pretty good. Yeah. Super, super trad. <laughs> um, we actually picked, we we're going to a different uh, parish and then um when we moved here after the wedding we had became close to father reed through our marriage prep and we realized like this is this is like to the core a traditional catholic church they won't ever waver so we became parishioners of saint anne's and speaking of the seminarians like those guys are they're salt of the earth like they're amazing they actually came out i had a few of them out to our last home game i'm, I'm pretty close with a couple of them so yeah, they were they were pretty instrumental in my journey to the church too because I was like, dang, these young guys are awesome, and they're like, yeah, uh, become 
priest one day like how cool is that so yeah yeah it's really awesome having the uh, seminarians close by too i think that's probably the most underrated thing for young catholic right when you think about advice i think finding a good church is probably like it's got to be up there i think about even you know um when i think about or when i thought about where are we going to be you know uh, in terms of permanently with me my wife my family all that kind of stuff like i'm always thinking like okay it's either got to be like an fssp parish or just a really 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 good parish and i think like because that really i think that really changes your whole experience like for me when i was at franciscan the difference that i felt going to st peter's which everyone who has been in Steubenville knows about st peter's and then being on campus is like two completely different things and like if we hadn't known any better it might even look like two different types of like faiths it might look like this is like lutheran or whatever it is you know what i mean like it it might look like that to somebody you know you drop thomas aquinas from the 1400s here he might be very you know taken aback but with some of the other things going on so i think it's like one that we don't think about enough um and obviously finding a good parish usually means a traditional one because you're not going to find a lot of seminarians unless it is traditional one because like i know i've been in a diocese where like we had maybe you know one in a whole year um, so it's been like, or two over a span of a few years. It's been tough over there, but yeah, I just yeah. ask cause Jake's always been like talking to me how like, yeah, dude, we're pumping out like 22 seminarians. Like what is going on, dude? And, uh, his brother is actually is in, uh, Rome right now. Cause he's, he's, uh, he's studying to be a priest. So yeah, I was just oh, wow. about that. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool stuff. Actually, yeah. It's a good point. You brought that up about the parish just because for example, we had a couple that they're just dating and they both go to Belmont Abbey and they've kind of reached out to us with questions and stuff and they're not Catholic yet. And, um, they went to, um, a parish near Belmont Abbey that Kat and I know of. And if they would have asked us where to go, we probably wouldn't have recommended it just cause we've been there a couple of times and I've seen some stuff. And they came with us, uh, yesterday for the first time at St. Anne's and they're like, Whoa. And they're asking all these questions. Like, um, so the priest and the deacon are the only people who distribute communion. And we're like, yeah, like, and they're like, oh, nobody received communion on their hands. They're like, nope. So just traditional stuff like that, that I think is really important, like you said, for young Catholics oh, to huge. realize. Yeah. I mean, it's like I try not to let things um, – because there's, there's a couple of FSSP parishes in Phoenix, which is like 30 minutes, and I'm just going to like probably start making the drive. But it makes it – like it, I think it's, it's transformed like my faith completely. You know, I, I guess I didn't ask the topic about being traditional – but it's good that we're bringing it up because I think young people, young Catholics are moving towards that direction. But it's also like our church has to. I think it's the only way that we sort of get out of this stage that we're in. And with all this, you know, the scandal with priests, but I think not even just sexual scandal, but the scandal of like not being a true Catholic in a lot of these spaces. Like, you know, it shouldn't like we have the German bishops or whoever is going to be the James Martins and like, that's and all that's also a scandal that we need to get in and we can only return to by returning to tradition really and right. i i know it's taken my faith literally to a whole nother level and mm-hmm. um yeah i wouldn't have it any other way and were you able to watch the we're, we're recording this a little like i think two days after mass of the ages episode two dropped were you able to watch that i wasn't did you watch the first one at least no i haven't no. yeah you haven't watched it yet no you have to fill me in wow no so mass of the ages uh, if, for those of you who don't know what it is either, it's um, I forget who it's by. My dad actually is hoping to get him onto uh, World of Blaze YouTube channel so we can interview him. But um, it's basically 
like Netflix documentary style, super professional. It's really well done, but it's basically about the Latin mass. And he goes to a bunch of different parishes and like shows, you know, film of it and, and asks different priests about it. So really diving into it. And then, um, so episode one had a lot about sort of a mom who had lost her husband and had her kids. So she still had the kids, but lost her husband when, uh, you know, pretty young. So the kids are still pretty young and mm-hmm. talking about what the Latin mass meant for her. And then the second one really gets into sort of like not as much Vatican two does get into Vatican two, but a lot about sort of the council after that's when they're talking about, I forget the, the uh, Latin word for the council, but when they're really talking about sort of possibly changing the liturgy and stuff like that. And it's fascinating. Yeah. I would, I would highly recommend that for everybody. Yeah, I will. I will. Yeah. We actually had somebody come that's making a documentary and they chose St. Anne's as a parish of Charlotte okay. uh, to come. But I, it's not called, I forget what the name of his documentary is going to be, but he was just going to parishes in each diocese in the country. Really? Do you know who it was? Uh, no, I forget, but he was like talking to Kat and I, like Father Reed introduced him to yeah, us. But I yeah, it's cool. They, um, they did some stuff at Star of the Sea in San Francisco, which is the church that uh, me and my wife got married at because... Uh-huh. He uh, was originally in Modesto with us, and he had baptized both of us, so we thought it'd be really sick to go over there. And it's a beautiful parish, and Modesto is not – you can't get beautiful parishes. It's kind of hard. But anyways, okay, as we, as we wrap up here, I just got one more for you. Um, sort of what are your thoughts for the future? As I kind of said, I think we're getting in a – I think it's such a crucial time, and I'm very excited about it because I don't think without – like we have to become smaller if we're going to continue to like be stronger as a church together. Um, but I think in, in everything, right? Like, you know, we were talking about before with social media and, and sort of the different mode of evangelization that we now have, right? Like you as a pro soccer player is now a witness that couldn't have been done before unless you did something wild and you're able to make it to the front page of a newspaper. Other than that, you would just kind of be, you know, swept up in the rug. None of us would know. I wouldn't have a platform. So all these things in total, like, are you generally someone that's going to be pessimistic or optimistic about the future? Um, or like, where do you see things happening? Are you excited about this particular thing or that? Um, you know, we're in a, such a dynamic environment. So I always, I always like to ask this, I always, I always like to see people's perspective on sort of where we're moving and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, definitely optimistic. Um, and I think a big part of that is because, um, truth always prevails and, um, the church is so true and so, based off of truth and like everything they do is from Jesus and um, passed down through all these years. And so I think that like in the end, no matter what the church will teach truth and bring people to Jesus. And I'm just optimistic because like you said, um, I think that there will be a return to tradition throughout Catholicism because in the end tradition is what's going to bring new people into the church. Um, and they're going to see all the craziness going in the world, whether it's social issues or new churches popping up left and right and teaching all this stuff and their pastors doing all this stuff. And it's like, well, the Catholic Church hasn't swayed at all in thousands of years. So I think that tradition is going to um, be a huge part of what brings people into the church and what makes people that who are already in the church a lot stronger in their faith. So definitely optimistic and being a new Catholic, excited because I still have so much to learn and now raising a kid and hopefully more kids when the time comes like raising kids in the church and i think it's it's definitely something i look forward to yeah i'm with you right there dude i'm so excited because you know there's people like us who are young and married and we're ready to like get after it and yeah. i'm ready to like start you know hitting up the gun range and getting trained in that stuff like we both said we're ready to be self-sustaining 
you know, get some land and really start getting back to the roots of what society should be, you know? And um, I think I was, I was listening to New Polity and, I, and they were talking about how, you know, a lot of people will talk about like leaving legacies and family and all that kind of stuff and like what they would do. And I think the best thing to do would to be like to leave land for, you know, your family and your kids and these generations and where they have food and they don't, you know, everything is there as yeah. opposed to like dropping your kid off to go take on more student debt and then go to the grocery store and the cycle, you know, like how important some of that stuff is. So I think it's awesome because I think us young people are once thinking about this stuff, you know, and the boomers yeah. are still playing like the banjo at mass. So like, we'll let them keep doing what they're doing and the young people are going to take over soon. So I'm excited yeah. about that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, I think that's really it for us. Um, thank you so much for joining me, Clay. It's been awesome, uh, really a pleasure. You know, one of the things that also makes me excited is people like you and Nathan and just kind of knowing that, like, we have some more normal guys living out their faith, trying to do the same thing, traditional men, you know, and that's such a big thing that I'm so excited about. So thank you for coming on. Uh, I'd be happy to do anything in the future. You just got to let me know whatever you want to talk about. You can always come on. And, uh, yeah, hopefully one day we can also unite. Maybe me, you, Nathan, just go sure. camp out or something. You know what I mean? I'm down. Yeah, I appreciate it, Miko. I love the joining in. But, yeah, definitely we'll have to stay in touch, man. Yeah, dude, for sure. Yeah, thank you. And thanks, everyone, for listening. If you made it this far, um, you know, maybe check out some check out some of my boys' highlights on YouTube. Maybe see if you're playing on, you know, ESPN or ESPN2 or whatever ESPN we got going on. You know, tune in. I was able to catch a little bit of a game. Um, he's a captain, so don't disrespect him. You know what I mean? He's not a, he's not a scrub. He, you know, he can really do this. So uh, with that, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll see you on the next one. Peace.